thing going. Dear Heavenly Father, we come boldly to the throne of grace. We thank you, O oh God, just for being God all by yourself. We thank you for you are worthy of all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. We thank you for your faithfulness for waking us up this morning, starting us on our way, O oh God, allowing us to get here safely, O oh God, protecting our babies while they were in school today, Father God, keeping them as well, Father God. So we just thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. I pray, Father God, as we dig into this Bible study, O oh God, that you have your way. You show us, oh God, the importance of prayer, how much we need it, oh God, and how it will take us to another level in our life, Father God. So I just believe it and I receive it, and we stand on your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. 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 All right. All right, the scripture's already on the screen. Where we're going to start it for tonight? It is Colossians. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. You want to get your Bibles, your phones, whatever y'all want to do. Take pictures of the screen, don't matter to me. But I'm going to read this, and it says this, Colossians 4 and 2. Got a couple of different verses to read. Devote yourself to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. In this version, the New King James Version says this. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Tell, tell somebody, this is how we do it, amen. This is how we do it. We're about to get into it, amen. This is how we do it. F.B. Meyer, the author of a great little book called The Secrets of Guidance, said, The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but an, an, un, un, excuse me, an unoffered prayer. In 1952, Albert Einstein was delivering a lecture on the campus of Princeton University. A doctoral student asked the famous scientist, what is there left in the world for original dissertation research? With considerate thought and profound, profound Einstein replied, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. As you know, we're in the middle of this series as we're doing on Wednesday, it's called Teach Us How to Pray, and we're gonna be here for a minute. But God has revealed to me the missing ingredient not only in my life, but in this ministry while we're still small in our infancy is prayer. If we can get a hold of prayer, there's no limit to where God can take us in our personal life and also take this church. Amen. If we get on the gift of prayer, uh, we have to understand. I shared a post in the, in the family group this morning about or yesterday morning about uh, prayer. How it's our passport by Tony Evans. Did y'all see that? Tony Evans is an awesome man of God. He's, he's the first black theologian that's made his own commentary by himself. Nobody black has ever made a commentary of the Bible. He's the first one. And he said something so powerful. He said, just like you need a passport to access places, otherwise you're not authorized to go, prayer is our passport to get to places in the spirit that we're not authorized to go. That is so deep to me that prayer takes us to a place in God. It leads me to the heart of God, but more importantly, it gets me favored with God. So in our selected text this evening, Paul not only practiced a mature life and a prayer life, but here in Colossians, he also prescribed it for all believers. They should devote themselves to prayer. Prayer is not a spiritual luxury. Prayer is not an add-on to the Christian life. That's not what it is. Prayer is important and it's vital to one's spiritual health. I said last time we were here that prayer is as important as breathing. It should be done continually and not casually. Uh, I read this great article by uh, Calvin Williams titled Prayer Life of a Christian. And he suggested three things about the prayer life of a Christian. And I want to tackle all three tonight. The first thing is pray with persistence. Say persistence. persistence. Paul, being 
Paul goes by saying being devoted yourself to prayer continually and earnestly. In the original language, continue and steadfast means to be constant, persevering, and unwearied in prayer. It means to be in constant, unbroken prayer, to be in constant and unbroken fellowship and communion with God. So what Paul was saying by being devoted with prayer means that we must have an attitude of prayer at all times. I know we talked last weekend, I think Sister Lindsay was like, I think I prayed to ask God for too much. But, and that's how it should be though. We should be a constant thing devoted to God. Pray to God about everything. So if I'm constantly talking with God, he's in my mind, he's in my heart throughout the day. We've been talking all day like we're best friends. So then when something arises that may be serious than most, I'm already ready to handle it in prayer. I'm not ready to attack this thing and tackle it. So when somebody calls me with bad news, bang, I'm on it. Somebody calls me, somebody's went surgery, bang, I'm on it. I've been communicating with God all day. So now, just like anybody else, we've been communicating all day. The friendship is good, it's there, the relationship is good, and that's how God wants it. So our attitude should never be far from prayer. It means to walk and breathe, to live, move, and have our being in prayer. It means to never face a moment when we are not in prayer. Think about how deep that is, that my mind is always geared towards prayer because our minds can go any and everywhere, praise God, amen. Places we don't want them to go, they just be running and taking laps around that thing. No, I need my mind solid and stayed on the word of God. It carries on with the idea of dedication. Of the 10 times it is used in the New Testament, four of them have to do with being devoted to prayer. It is a very powerful word, and in this verse, it is given as an imperative or a command. In other words, persistence in prayer is not an option for a Christian. It is an order for the Lord himself. So when God is saying be persistent in prayer, he's not making a suggestion. It's a commandment. Be persistent in prayer. Why? Because it's going to help you more than it's going to help me. Amen. Let's look at this. Luke 18 and 2 says this. He said there was once a judge in some city who never gave God a thought and cared nothing for people. A widow in that city kept after him. My rights are being violated. Protect me. He never gave her the time of day. But after this went on and on, he said to himself, I care nothing what God thinks and even less what his people think. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Man, y'all miss y'all shot, but it's all good. Amen. <laughs> This man, Jesus gave this, this story and said it was a judge who had control and all power. He didn't care about God. He didn't care about God's people. He could care less what they think. But this woman kept coming and saying, my rights are being violated. My rights are being violated every day. That means he was shutting the door in her face. I don't want to see if she came back. My rights are being violated. My rights are being violated. Shut the door again. Came back to the point she got on her nerve. He said, I don't care. Just give her justice, my God. Imagine you came to God like that. No matter how many times the devil said no. No matter how many times it got blocked. No matter how many times you kept coming back and coming back and coming back. God sees that faith and he honors that. You got to be persistent because it produces results. Okay, I'll give y'all a practical thing. Okay, I told y'all to pray today at noon, praise God. And we've been having some issues with the daycare because they haven't been doing what they're supposed to do. We try to get open, we try to get fixed, and they have not been doing what they're supposed to have been doing. So 
Lady Thomas called me this morning. She texted me, I'm just fed up. She's mad. That's why I had to put, tell her, hey, don't, don't let your faith falter. It's okay. It's okay. Don't get mad. We human too. We get upset too. So she upset. I'm like, it's cool. They said they handle it by this morning. So we're going to wait till noon. We're going to pray at noon. Have everybody pray. They don't contact you. Then we're going to go handle it. So she called me about 12, 30, 12, 40. Ain't nobody texted. I was like, cool. Well, I give me the number. I called a dude. I prayed again. Waited a little while. I called a man. I'm like, hey, sir, um, we need to get these things fixed for this building. He's like, I'm under my understanding. Everything's been taken care of. No, it's not. But mind you, Jennifer's been persistent. She's been on their head. She showed me text after text. So I was ready to go to war if he didn't want to listen. I had text after text. I'm about to forward you all these pictures, all these screenshots, because we got text after text. So she's been asking and asking and asking, and nothing has happened. So we talking about He said, well, I thought all this was done. I said, no. This person ain't did this. This person ain't did that. This person ain't did that. And he's like, Mr. Thomas, I apologize. He said, let me call the person. He calls the dude. Why is this done? It's supposed to be done. Dude, I, 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 I didn't know what to say. It's supposed to be done. I expect this to be done by tomorrow. Well, I can't have it tomorrow. We're the next day. You got two days to get this finished, and we're going to take care of it. All I'm saying is that we've been persistent and persistent and persistent. And when you pray and push that thing, we couldn't get nothing done. My wife's frustrated, but today he said he got two days to get it fixed, so he's going to be in trouble. Praise God. I ain't happy for nobody. Be happy for somebody. Amen. That, that God worked that thing out. I appreciate y'all praying. That's what the praise of the righteous availeth much. We're going to talk about that. But that's the importance of prayer. When we got an issue, we got something wrong, you got to put prayer on that thing. Because sometimes, most of the time, can't nobody fix it for God? No way. We run to our friends. We run to social media. We run everywhere else and describe the problem to the T instead of giving it to God first. When he the only one that can fix it. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, I don't have it up there, but you can write it down. We talked about this in our pray. It says, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we ask for him. So we got to understand the importance of praying God's will. That's why we have to read the word for ourselves to understand God's will for our life. When you begin to pray God's will, I'm telling you, that's when you will see your prayers get answered on a whole nother level. Not my will be done, Lord, but your will. I put myself out of it. And then God says, because you humble, because you just doing what you're supposed to do, because you ain't that concerned about your stuff, you want to make sure my glory go forth, I'm going to get you what you asked for. When Solomon was about to become king, he was 16 years old. God said, look here, I'm going to give you anything you want, Solomon. What do you want? I'm going to hook you up. Imagine God saying that to you when you was praying. Oh, my God, what would you ask for? He said, whatever you want, I'm going to hook you up, Solomon. Just tell me what you want. Solomon said, look here, God, this is too many people. Just give me wisdom to help judge your people. God said, oh, really? Okay. Since you didn't ask for money and riches and all that stuff, but cared enough about my people what they want, I'm going to make you the wisest man on earth. But guess what? I'm going to give you out of the golds and riches too. You're going to be the richest king and the wisest king. Ain't going to be nobody like you before or after you. But because he cared about God's will first, God adds everything else. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Amen. All right, so so George Mueller, known as one of the greatest prayer warriors of all times, had this to say about persistent prayer. You get a chance, uh, please mute your phone if you can, but if you get a chance, please Google George Mueller, a man of God, a mighty man. He had a book where he would write down prayers and write them down, and every time God would answer, he would check it off. His grandchildren would go back and look at his books that he got like, dang, God answered thousands and thousands of prayers for this man. George Mueller, awesome testimony. Look at what he says, and I'll put it on the screen. It is a common temptation of Satan to make us give up the reading of the word and prayer when our enjoyment is gone. 
as is as if it were of no use to read scriptures when we no excuse me no no use to read the scriptures when we do not enjoy them and as if <laughs> and as if we were no use to pray when we have no spirit of prayer the truth is that in order to enjoy the word we ought to continue to read it and the way to obtain a spirit of prayer is to continue praying the less we read the word the less we desire to read the word and the less we pray the less we desire to pray well so what he's saying is this that you got to do it when you don't feel like doing it if you only do things when you feel like doing them, nothing is done. How many people feel like you want to work all the time? Praise God, not me. I worked 12 and a half hours yesterday, about told me up. I said, I only got paid for eight, so I was really mad. Right. <laughs> really mad, I did 12 and a half, only got paid for eight. We don't feel like doing it, but we do it because we know it has to be done. So you got to do it for God. Why? Because it has to be done because it's going to benefit from it. Amen. So when I don't feel like reading... I still read. Yes, Pastor, I don't feel like reading all the time, but I still read. When I don't feel like praying, I don't want to pray all the time, but when I don't feel like it, that's when I go do it. I got to do it because it's something about it. When I don't feel like it, I know the blessing is coming. When I don't feel like worshiping, I'm still clapping my hands. When I don't feel like worshiping, I'm still standing on my feet. When I don't feel like worshiping, I'm still waving my hands. Why? Because he's been that good and he's been that kind. So I got to stand up. Uh, uh, Cal Ripken, I don't know if y'all know him. Cal Ripken, he's a famous baseball player. He's called the Iron Man. He played like... I don't want to give the wrong number because I, I know I'm recording this, but he played thousands of baseball games straight. Didn't miss a game. He's called an Iron Man because he never missed a game. And they asked him, they said, look, Cal, you've been in, 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 in playing baseball for all these 15, 20 years, and you never missed a game. And you ever wanted to take a break? I mean, it's been a long week. Y'all ain't in a pennant race. Y'all not competing for the championship. Why didn't you take a break? He said, you know what? It's some nights where I'm like, you know what? It ain't no point, and I should have taken a break, but I'm healthy. And God let me be healthy. So why not go out there and play anyway? He said, in the nights I felt like I didn't want to play, I just wanted to chill in my hotel room. Those would be the nights, some of the nights I had my best games, my God. What is God saying? Some of the times when you don't feel like praying, you're going to get your best prayer in. When you don't feel like worshiping, you're going to put a worship in your spirit. When you don't feel like reading, he's going to give you revelation that you didn't even know was in the Word. Get in that thing when you don't feel like doing it. That's when you got to be doing it. Persistence produces results. Got to get that. Amen. The next thing we must do is pray with passion. Say passion. passion. Got to pray with passion. If you are persistent in something, it stands to reason that you are to be passionate about it. In fact, Paul said we should be vigilant or be watchful in prayer, which is the opposite of slothfulness. The passion of prayer. This describes passion in prayer. Jesus was passionate about his prayer life. It was something he was always doing. We got to realize that the Lord always was praying. Jesus took prayer seriously. So us as followers of Christ must take prayer seriously. S.D. Gordon, in his book, Quiet Talks on Prayer, says this. How much prayer meant to Jesus? It was not only his regular habit, but it was his resort in every emergency. However, slight or serious. When perplexed, he prayed. When hard-pressed by work, he prayed. When hungry for fellowship, he found it in prayer. He chose his associates and received his message upon his knees. If tempted, he prayed. If criticized, he prayed. If fatigued in his body or weary in his spirit, he had recourse to his one unfailing habit of prayer. Prayer brought him unmeasured power at the beginning and kept the flow unbroken and undiminished. 
There was no emergency, no difficulty, no necessity, no temptation that would not yield to prayer. Wow. That's deep, Gordon. That's deep. That's deep. The author is saying that whenever Jesus had anything going on, he prayed. And we wonder why Jesus had so much power. If you realize that Jesus would go away in the morning, he'll leave his disciples. He'd go away in the morning and go pray for hours and then come back to them. He would go away in the middle of the day, go away, leave, and go pray for hours and come back to him. And then Jesus rose up on the scene and said stuff like, demon, get out. Uh, he rose up and said, I didn't feel that. He just said, get out, demon, leave. Yeah, that's what kind of Jesus do. He said, you know what? You blind, come here. Boom, you heal. Uh, somebody on the mat, he said, look here, your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. Why was he able to do that? He had so much power, not just in his word. It was his prayer life. We want to spend hours with men and minutes with God and wonder why we ain't got no power. Where Jesus spent hours with God and minutes with men. He spent all his time with God. So when he came to the prayer, the, the power part, it was like, get up, move, leave, see, hear. You're not deaf no more. Walk, talk, speak, come back to life. Amen. Y'all excited about coming back to life. Amen. I don't know about you. But Jesus did all these things and he just said it and they did it. But he had the power in his prayer life. So here's another one of those scriptures you should keep in your heart and mind. James 5 and 16. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I kid you not, this prayer I have on some printer paper, I print it up and it sits in my prayer closet. I look at it when I go pray. It helps me to remind me whatever is going on, there is a promise from God. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. James is talking about Elijah, right? A couple of verses before this in James chapter 5, he's talking about Elijah. And he's, he, he really encourages us. He says, Elijah is a man just like you. He got like passion like you. He's a person just like you. But guess what Elijah did? He prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Then the day he prayed that it would rain, it did. And then he says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But this is why we got to break it down. Because what is fervent? Look at this. Fervent. Having or showing great warmth. Or intensity of spirit, feeling, enthusiasm, hot, burning glow. Wow. So, of course, when we're fervent in prayer, me, I get fervent in prayer a lot when I speak in tongues when I pray. It takes me to another level when I'm praying. Uh, the Bible says this in Romans that, that, that when we pray, sometimes the spirit gives utterance and groans we can't understand. So sometimes my spirit, I'm just so into it. I'm praying and I'm going and my spirit begins to move. This is called the rhythm of prayer. Say rhythm. So you got to get a rhythm in your prayer life. You know, we like to dance, we like beats, we like music. It's what? It's a rhythm. It keeps us. So we also must form a rhythm in our prayer life. And I want to give you an example. So, 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 so when I'm praying, uh, I get up and I'm praying. I'm giving God glory. So I'm like, Father God, I thank you for being good, for being great and kind. I always adore God. I tell you, it's wonderful. You're majestic. You're my king. You're my savior. You're my God. You're my everything. You're my life. You're my, 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 my just everything. God, I'm lifting them up. I give them glory. I'm thanking you, Jesus, for being good. Thank you, oh God. I'm praising them. I get in tongues. Hey, Katie, the bullshit. I got to see. I thank you, oh God. Then I go to my wife. I thank you, oh God, for Lady Thomas. I bless my wife. I bless her, oh God. I cover her mind, her body, and her strength, oh God. I pray for her. I cover her in the blood, the daycare, the workers, the children, everything she's, she's attached to today, oh God. I pray for her in my natural. Then I go to my tongues. I get to going in tongues for her. Then I go to my children. I go to Destiny. I start with the oldest. God bless Destiny. Cover her with your blood. Help her to be in integrity and, and do her homework and be smart. Keep her safe from danger and harm. Bless her in school. I pray for her naturally. Then I go in tongues with her. Then I hit miracles. 
miracles, and I hit Daniel. I go in natural, and I go in tongues. Then I go, and I pray for my mother. I hit my, my, my family members. I pray for them. Then I go to the church. I go, I call out y'all names. I pray for Tony. I pray for Lindsay. I hit, I hit everybody. I hit everybody. I'm going, blah, 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 praying. Then I go to tongues, and I, I got specific needs that we ain't Lady Thomas know about. I pray for that. I go to this. As I'm going, I'm going. I got a rhythm now in my prayer life. So I'm going back and forth. I got a little, now I got a little rock with it. Shake it, it a bow shakata. See, Father God. Bless him, oh God. Bless him, oh God. And pray for tongues. It's a spiritual gift. You got to pray for it. There's nothing against it, but I think the problem with the church, it hasn't been taught right. That's why people don't understand it totally, but my job is here to teach. So I pray in English and I pray in tongues. And that gives me a rhythm. And now me and God are rocking more different than I'm just praying in natural English. Me and God got a rhythm and we rocking. And that's what you want. You got that fire from God. And it's like, wow, I feel the fire of God in me. So you must establish a rhythm. And then once I do that, I pray for my for the city and the, and the government. I pray for pastors I know that I labor within the gospel. And I cover all these things in English and tongues because sometimes my spirit is saying, are going straight to God. I need God to get that thing, to make it come, make it come real to me. But we got to understand the importance uh, of praying. Now, while on Sunday, I'm not speaking in tongues on Sunday. Why? Because it's people in here, and I'm not just going to speak in tongues the whole time. You're not going to know what I'm saying. Uh, there's no need for that. I need you to understand the gospel. That Jesus died for your sins. You need to repent. And he loves you and all those things. So that ain't the time. So sometimes people go on Sunday morning. They just, hey, tongue, 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 tongue. You got people that don't know what you talk about. Like, these people are crazy. I'm cool. I ain't never come back to that church again. No, that ain't the time. We're going to have a tongue now. We're going to have a believer's night. We're going to come. We're going to get the oil and lay out and cry and do all that stuff. That would be a different night. But it's important to get your rhythm together. But pray for tongues. I'm serious. Pray for the gift of tongues. It is it, it is needed. It is needed because sometimes it's so awesome we speak in tongues. I, I believe this, that the enemy can't intercept your prayers. He can't hear it. He, he doesn't know what you're saying. He lost that gift when he got kicked out. He can't hear heavenly players no more. He lost that gift. He kicked out. So it goes straight up to God up the pipeline. So get develop that and get that strong in your tongues. Amen. So Jude 1 and 20 says this. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. That's tongues right there. How do you pray in the Holy Spirit? How does he communicate with you? Pray with him. Another one. 1 Corinthians 14 and 15. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with my mind also. So Paul is saying this. That, that in both of those are the Apostle Paul writing that I pray in the spirit, but I pray with my mind. I pray in English, but I pray in tongues. It's two different type of levels of prayer. And to be effective, you got to develop that. You got to develop it. Takes your prayer level to another level. It takes your personal worship to another level because God intercepts that. God is so awesome that even when we cry, the Bible says that all our tears are bottled up. So God, his awesomeness and his wisdom, he can hear your tongues even though it don't make sense to other people unless he lets somebody interpret it, he can. He hears that and he knows what it says. You crying tears, I might not know what's wrong with you. I'm just up here praying for you, but God got angels up there. Come here, I'm going to take that tear, I'm going to bottle it up, I'm going to take it back up to heaven with me, and I'm going to pour it out. And God knows those tears write stories. And God knows what every one of your tears mean. God is that awesome, y'all. What an awesome God we serve. So, so just know God knows, he hears, and he cares. Amen. Uh, uh, the last thing that we must do is pray with thankfulness. Say thankfulness. thankfulness. We got to pray with thankfulness. And I think this is why some of our prayers get held up because we be ungrateful. We woe is me. Why is this? Why is that? Why is that? And truth be told, we probably going through some things. I'm not negating that one bit, but we 
be thankful. Why? For one, it could always be worse. Uh, it could always be worse. Praise God. I learned this. When I thought I hit rock bottom, I found somebody that really hit rock bottom. The things that I had, that person praying for. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be grateful no matter what it is. Be grateful because God is still good in the midst of your situation. So I got a few scriptures on gratefulness. Amen. Ephesians 5 and 20. It says this. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks, giving thanks what? Always. Not sometime, right? Not most of the time. Giving thanks always. But you got to have a certain relationship with God to give thanks always. Because things hurt. We live in a real life. We got, we got things that come to rob our joy, to steal our pride, to steal us, to hurt us, disturb us. I told you this morning, let me tell you a little frustrated. But that's why you got to have right people in your right life. Because things get messed up. If I'm messed up and I'm not feeling good, guess what? I can call my pastor. Pastor, speak some faith into me. Pastor, speak a word into me. Say something to me that I need. Because right now, I, I might feel I'm going through something. That's why you got to hang around the right people. As we move into 2020, I need y'all to do inventory. Go through that contact list. Stores do it. They do inventory every year. They go through it. This ain't selling. We're getting rid of this. This don't work. We're getting rid of this. We don't need this. We wasted our money on this. We wasted our time on this product. So this next 2020, do some inventory. Go through your contact. Nah, nope. He only hit me with the, uh, where you at? What you doing? Mm-mm. Uh, hey, beautiful. No, I'm cutting that out. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm cutting all that stuff off that don't mean no good to me. It's a new year. God is going to bless us and move us in a new realm. But we got to get rid of all this old baggage that is weighing us down. And if I'm, if I'm giving thanks for everything, it allows me to worship better. My heart different when I'm giving thanks for everything. Because I, I, I'm able to see I might not be where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. I can see I might not have everything I want, but God, you have provided this and you have done that. And I'm going to keep trusting and believing that it's on the way. What I've been praying for and asking for, I'm going to believe, I'm going to receive it. Asking you, uh, ask you should receive, seeking you should find. Knock and the door should be open under you. I got to be knocking on that door with a smile. Because I know it's coming. I got to be like that lady knocking on that door with a smile. Yep, I ain't got it yet, but I'm still knocking. I'm still knocking. I'm still smiling because I believe help is on the way. The enemy's job is to discourage us. And you got to have a special relationship with God and a right heart to give thanks always. Because it's not an easy thing to do. I'm not going to sit there and say it is. But God, but what's the Bible say? The joy of the Lord is my strength. God gives us joy that's unspeakable. Joy that's unexplainable. So we got to give joy and be thankful in all things. Amen. Amen. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. Look at what Paul's saying. Mm -mm -mm. We know we be anxious. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I'm going to stop right there before I read the next part. Be anxious for nothing because we want things when we want them and how we want them. It is so easy to be anxious. God, why are you taking all day? God, I need it now. I needed it yesterday, two days ago. I need all that. But I talk to y'all, y'all laughing because y'all know it's for real. But I told y'all testimony. We was anxious for the daycare. If we would have got the money and did what we, supposed, what we thought we were supposed to do ahead of time, we would have put a down payment on the wrong building. Instead of being prayer and saying, God, what is your will? What do you want us to do? He says, be anxious for nothing. Because if I'm anxious, I'm, I might just jump into the wrong situation. I might jump into the wrong bed. I might jump into the wrong deal because I'm anxious. The enemy feeds on that because he throws things in our way to try to trick us and jam us up to see if we're going to bite. So Paul said, no, you can't be anxious for nothing. But in everything, say everything. everything. By prayer. 
and supplication by prayer. So in everything in your life, so no, you can't pray too much. And it says in everything. So everything is everything, right? Yeah, ain't nothing left out of everything. Everything is like all. Everything by prayer and supplication. And then he said when you pray and you supplicate, make and do all that, then you got to do it with thanksgiving. So the recipe, watch this, make your request made known to God. So when I'm making my request known to God, I'm praying, I'm being specific in all these things, and then I'm thankful. The thing we have to learn how to do is praise him in advance. Because you got to learn that. you got to praise God like it already happened. you got to praise God like the deal already went through. you got to praise God like the job already said, I got it. i got to be expecting something from God. But then he says this in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Wow. Mm -hmm. So God says, when you pray about everything, I'm going to give you peace. He really does. My God, my God. Don't miss that. I told you, when you read the Bible, you got to find the principles and the promises. The principles and the promises. He said, when you, if you do everything, if you're not anxious, and everything by prayer and supplication, and you're thankful for what, everything you're doing, and you let your request known by me, I'm going to give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. The problem is we don't run it by God. We run it by our best friend. We run it by mama and them. We run it by our cousins. We run it by the homeboys. We run it by everybody else. Don't that sound good? It's not a good place. It's going to, this is ABCD and line up and line up. And God is saying you run it by everybody but me. I'm here to help you. The Bible says this, that it is a way that seems right to a man. But at the end, it leads to death. So God said, when we make our own plans and doing our own thing, it seems right to you, but those ways end in death. Run it by me, and I'm going to give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. They're going to be like, how do you got peace? Everything like it's caving in around you. It's like your whole world about to crumble, but I got peace. All I know is God. When we went through what we went through with serenity, it is no way that I could be in my right mind and have peace. After my daughter had died, I said I didn't cry because I did cry. She had plenty of tears, but it didn't overwhelm me. It could have took me out. I had only been saved, what, maybe nine months? You know what I'm saying? It could have took me out. Like, forget God. I'm cool. He can't be real. He let my baby die. No, I went back to God with prayer and supplication. And people were like, dang, how are you here? I had people to tell me they couldn't come to my daughter's funeral. I'm like, I got to preach it. Why you can't come? You know what I'm saying? Come, 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 come. I appreciate if you would show up. But people don't understand that until God can give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. They don't understand it because they don't know God. He said he will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you don't need nothing else guarded, it's your heart and your mind. When our hearts get broken, our minds don't work. Praise God. Amen. Yes, yes. When our hearts get broken, our minds do not work. And what is the promise? He will guard your my heart and mind. I need God to guard my stuff. I need God to guard it for me and you. Praise God, because I'm crazy too. So it might be me. I need some self-defense. I need some guard for myself. But he will guard it from everything. So God wants to help us in our prayer life. And he wants to answer our prayers. But we got to follow the recipe. It's like baking a cake. And then y'all bake. I don't know, y'all look at y'all bake. Okay, I know this, young young ladies be like, mm -mm, I, I Duncan Hines, I don't bake. I don't know. But but my grandma and them, they bake and they do the cakes and they get everything and they don't got a recipe. I don't know how my mama and them, how they do all that stuff. No recipe, all by memory, but they make it and everything. And they gotta have the right amount of eggs in it, the right amount of flour in it. They gotta have all this stuff. If you don't have the right recipe, what's gonna happen to that cake? 
If it's one that needs to stay up and it ain't right, it's gonna fall flat down the middle. It ain't gonna taste good. It's gonna have too much of this, too much of that. The recipe has to be right. If the recipe is not right, the cake won't come out right. Well, guess what? If the prayer is not right, if it's not done how God says do it, the answer, the recipe won't come out right. That's why the doctor say disciples were like, Jesus, teach us how to pray. What you're doing is amazing. You got 2,000 of fish out of two pieces of biscuit. You feeding all these people. You healing all these people. Everybody coming to you, telling people to get up and walk. What you and God be talking about? And teach me, because I need to know how you and God be talking. Me and him don't talk like that. We, we, I talk to him, but we ain't like that. Amen. I need to talk like that. So it is a recipe. That's why te- Jesus said, cool, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Mm-hmm. He gives him the recipe. And it's all through scripture, a recipe. We see prayers answered for this certain things happen. So we must understand the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man available much. Not only am I excited about it, not only my heart is pounding, I'm speaking in tongues sometimes, I'm excited, I'm glowing, I'm on fire, but I'm living a certain way too. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man. Don't never forget and think that God doesn't answer prayers because sometimes our sins block the prayers from being answered. God's not a sugar daddy. He's not a genie. You got to submit to him. The reason why Jesus' prayers always got answered is because he fully submitted to God. And of course, we're not Jesus, but guess what? We can still do some things. We, we can choose to do some things we don't have no business doing, too. You know what I mean? We still can choose to obey. And that's when I think prayers get answered at, at an intensified level is when God looked down and said, you know what? You could have did wrong, but you didn't. You love me for real. I'm going to honor that. You love me for real. You could have you could have slept with them, but you didn't. You said, no, nah, I'm cool. I'm standing home tonight. I love that. I honor that. Uh, uh, you could have went out and ran the streets and whatever you're supposed to do, but you didn't. I'm going to honor that. And that's how I believe God looks at us. He honors our faithfulness, and I know he does. Yeah. So God is the answer to the fervent, effective prayer of a righteous man. Get that James 5 and 16 in your spirit and say, God, I'm going to be on fire in my prayer life. I'm going to go hard at it, but I'm going to be righteous too. And I'm going to expect you to do these things. Call him out on his word. God says, my word goes out. It goes out and accomplishes what I say it's going to accomplish. And it won't return to me void. This is why I'm pushing y'all to read your Bible. So when things are going wrong, I can speak the word over my situation. He said it won't come out void. So when everything is going wrong, I can say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Because God said it. When things are going crazy and the enemy is raising up, an enemy is coming in like a flood. I can say, but the spirit of the Lord is raising up a standard. I can come against it. Jesus, when he fought the devil, he fought him with the word. And that's where our strength lies. Amen? Amen. All right. First Thessalonians 5 and 18 says this. In everything. Again, that's that word. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, give thanks. So the importance that we must know and what we must fight through is that we have to learn how to give thanks in literally everything. I don't know about you, but I don't like being around ungrateful people. Jesus, yep, I touched a nerve in the house. Praise God, amen. Y'all feel me, amen. Uh, An ungrateful person is somebody I don't want to be around. When you always complaining, you always nagging, you always comparing, you always saying this, you always saying that, and it's like, wow, man, I can't even concentrate around you. Your negative energy flopping on me now, you know what I'm saying? And I know this, that misery loves company, amen. So when people are complaining, Griping, you gotta be careful in the church, especially we're trying to build a church when we're young. You see somebody complaining and griping, y'all kill that at the door. No, 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 we ain't complaining, we ain't griping, you got a problem. Go talk to Pastor First Lady about it. Don't take on no crying and complaining spirit. People 
people will gripe you and get you all messed up and then look at you and you out the window. I ain't seen people at, at my job that listen to people that gripe and complain and you ain't a regular. You didn't get to that gripe and complain the spirit like them. You looked up, you didn't got fired because you ain't a regular yet. Yeah, man, you know what I'm saying? You listen to them and I'm going to take on you. I ain't doing this, I ain't doing that. Okay, that's who you got. But they got 20 years and you got 90 days. Um, you leave now. Praise God. Amen. I hope, hope you find another job. You got to go. You got to go. Do not let nobody get that on you. In everything, give thanks. And when you can find yourself giving thanks in everything, you just when you get that joy that God is talking about. The joy of the Lord is your strength because you can feel weak and feel hurt and feel broke down. But then you can think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done. You can think about how good God's been, how faithful he's been, how he's kept me all these years of my life. And I got friends that are in the grave. I got friends that have lost their lives. I got friends that are doing way worse than me. I got people that are out their mind. I know people I went to school with was cool. They crazy. I got all this stuff. Even though I ain't where I want to be, I still can give thanks. And then God says, this, this is the will of God. That's where I want to be. I don't want to be nowhere else but the will of God. This is the will of God. God is telling you that you giving thanks is part of his will for you. Why? Because he created you. Because he made you. He allows you to be born. He puts breath in your body. Everybody do that. Ain't God good, amen, because some people can't do that, amen. Some people in the hospital need a ventilator. Some people can't do it on their own. Some people is gone. God allows all these things. He said, it's the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So the will of God allows me to be faithful. So I want you to remember the things we went over tonight, that I must have a, a passionate prayer life. I want you to be passionate in your prayer life. You got to be passionate. You got to pursue God like, like, like it's the last thing you got. You got to pursue God like we pursue everything else. The things that are important to you. Uh, we talked about Jonathan Reynolds says, move that over. Think about what's important in your life right now. I told you God got me with, with my phone and social media and all those things because my phone shows my screen time. And I looked up. It's like you've been on the phone. It shows your percentage. And I had such a big percentage on Facebook and my Bible app. Though I used it every day, the percentage was so small. I said, dang, am I really giving God my first? Am I really giving God what I'm supposed to? Because the, the Facebook thing called right here and the, and the Bible app way down here, the percentage ain't the same. Man. My screen time is, is on other things. So God began to deal with me and show me that you got to put me first, be passionate. What are you passionate about right now? And say, it's cool because I like that, but I'm about to put God to that number one spot. I'm about to pursue God like I pursue this. The time I want to get why I didn't get myself, when I picked up my phone, I said, you know what? Every time I want to go scroll on Facebook, I'm going to go to my Bible app. And I find myself in my Bible app a lot more. Praise God, amen. Because that stuff is easy to get caught up in. You look at it one thing, you just swipe it and swipe it and swipe it. Like, oh my God. I spent all this time on this thing. So I picked it up. I said, no. Boom. Clicked on my Bible app. I'm going to read something. Amen. amen. And it began to feed my spirit more and more and more because, Pastor, I have to read too. You got to think about it. I got to prepare a message. That takes time doing that. But I can't let that be all. I got to read too. God might be trying to say something else to me. And I'm so focused on my message, I'm missing what else God got to say. So guess what? I got to read too, not just the message. I got to see what God is saying because he might have something else he want to say to y'all. But I'm so focused on my message, I ain't listening. I can't get else what else he needs me to say. So we always take time to read. So you got to be passionate. You got to pray with thankfulness. So start getting the attitude of thanking God, thanking God. You sit there just before you ask him for anything, just thank him for everything you can think of. Just begin to thank him and thank him and thank him and thank him. God loves that. It boosts him up. He don't need it, but he says, you know what? They love me for real. And it adds to your life. Amen. So it was, it was, it was passion and persistence. Persistence. You got to be like that lady. You got to knock that door down. Knock on that door. Don't stop. You got to be a bulldozer. You got to be a, uh, any, y'all watch football? I'm going to let you watch football. Not really. 
All right, that, that ain't a good analogy to impress God. Y'all watch football. Uh, uh, what I was trying to give you, but uh, uh, but I'll tell you anyway. But uh, Jerome Bettis, he was one of the best uh, uh, running backs, but he had the body of a fullback. He was a big hussy guy. Was really, you know Jerome Bettis, don't you? Jerome Bettis was a big old dude. Steelers. And Steelers, that's right. And, and, and he was a running back. So you know a running back runs the ball, right? But he had the body of a fullback, which would usually block for the running back. And what made him so cold-blooded was he was big, but he had the speed of a running back. So most people couldn't tackle him by themselves. So whenever he got the body, they called him the bus. That's how big he was. They called him the bus. This big old dude come running full speed, boom, boom, and he knocking boys over, knocking boys over. And that's how you got to do your prayer life. Because sometimes, guess what? Jerome did get tackled. Sometimes he didn't get where he wanted to be, but he didn't stop running the ball, praise God, amen. He still kept going and running and trying to truck stuff over. So you got to say, God, I'm going to keep running and running, and I'm going to give it my all. Only way I ain't going to get it is if you only say no or I die. Other than that, I'm going to keep going for it until I see it come to pass. You got to push yourself in your prayer life, amen. 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 You got to praise, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you.